1: Welcome to Polygamy What Love Is This? I'm your host Doris Hansen, and we talk all about polygamy on our show both present day and early Mormon polygamy and we have a very interesting topic to discuss this time in keeping with the Halloween season but before we get started if you or anyone that you know is in a polygamy situation and you want to get out, you'd like to escape, uh, you can contact the Shield and Refuge Ministry for help. The link is on the screen. You can contact by going to the webpage and and contact us through email or by toll-free telephone number which is 877-425-9993 and all information is held in strict confidence. Or if you would like to make comments about our show or uh, have questions or if you'd like to be a guest on a future show, we'd love to talk to you about it. Our email address is email at whatloveisthis.tv for telephone calls or questions regarding the show. Or you can call 385-240-2888. Now I'd like to introduce our long-standing <laughs> co-host, Earl Ersk.
0: <laughs> Thanks for having me again, Doris. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks for your involvement with this. It's fun This is a fun one
0: interesting yeah, and very interesting and informative. Something I'd never heard about.
1: Yeah, well maybe there's there's might be several people who haven't heard of this before, but I know there's several who have because people yeah. right out of the blue will ask me questions about this. A surprising number of people actually in and out of Utah have heard of the legend of Kay's Cross. That's the topic of our discussion today. Actually, a few months ago, I had been invited to speak at a conference in Ogden uh, where I was the guest speaker. And while we were waiting for my time to speak, we went to a small cafe that was real close to the conference um, facility. And the friendly waitress welcomed us and asked a few polite questions about the reason for our visit and so on. And when we explained that I was from a polygamy group and was speaking about polygamy at the conference, she was curious about my story when she discovered that i had been raised on a a large farm in kaysville utah she asked me if i had ever heard of kays cross well (laughs) i told her that kays cross was on our farm in fact we played on it as children and she was totally fascinated for years she had heard ghost stories and haunted stories about Kays Cross in Kaysville. We had a delightful conversation, and the idea formed in my mind at that time that it would be a good good discussion for a show uh, uh, during the Halloween celebration of the season, uh, because it did actually have its history in the Kingston polygamy group, so it Mm. just fits right in there. I asked her for permission to use her name on the show, and she gave it. And so much of tonight's topic was inspired by our gracious and friendly waitress, Danielle who served us at the Big Z restaurant on April 30th of 2016 in Ogden, Utah. Now, to lay the foundation, we want to first discuss a little bit about Halloween, its origins, and does the Bible support ghosts and haunted crosses and fear-based celebrations. We'll talk about Cage Cross and some of the myths surrounding it and then the truth about it. But first, a bit of discussion about Halloween. For some people, it's their favorite celebration, and Utahns love to celebrate Halloween. In fact, many use Halloween as a time to dabble in necromancy, which is communication with the dead. In fact, a friend of mine who has since passed away wrote some interesting comments about Halloween, which we want to share. And she did write from a biblical Christian perspective. And so we quote...
0: The first observance of October 31st as a holiday began well before the Christian era. This day marked the end of the Celtic, Irish, Scottish and English calendar year. It was the festival of the dead celebrated by the Celtic pagan cult called the Druids in England who had the idea that people needed to be cleansed after they had died. The soul of the departed was transferred by magic to the body of an animal. During the night of October 31st, the enchanted souls were freed by the Druid God and taken together into the Druid heaven. During the festival, they believed that the dead rose and wandered around. The people took part in divination and soothsaying. They claimed fairies, witches, and goblins harassed the people of the countryside.
1: Wow. <laughs> yeah. I've got quite a history there. Yeah. Well, during the Middle Ages, these rituals caused a tremendous surge in the practice of witchcraft, which was devoted to the worship of Satan. One of the special days for this worship was October 31st, and witches were said to travel to these worship services on broomsticks accompanied by black cats. Well, Halloween was, Halloween was revoked by the Protestants during the Reformation, but these pagan religions and practices survived and eventually were assimilated into regular Celebrations of society. Anyway. The, the whole concept be, behind Halloween involves death, darkness, deception, fear, pagan rituals, and frightening spirits. And that is communication with the dead, and is yeah. called necromancy. And God prohibits necromancy. Period. He also forbids all witchcraft, consulting of mediums or psychics. He calls them spiritus and sorcery and diviners. We have a def- definition of necromancy uh, from a Bible dictionary.
0: Yeah, from Baker's Evangelical Dictionary. It says, form of divination in which a person calls upon the dead to receive communication that clarifies knowledge.
1: And so it's just communication mm-hmm. with someone who is dead. And necromancy was totally banned in the Old Testament. God prohibited the people from consulting mediums or spiritists or they would risk being cut off from the covenant. and We have a few verses from the
0: Bible to yeah. back that up. Here's some from Leviticus. Do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists, for you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. And also, I will set my face against the person who turns to mediums and spiritists, to prostrate himself, prostitute himself by following them, and I will cut him off from his people.
1: So he was serious, obviously, about this. Now, psychics and witchcraft of all kinds, all sorts of supernatural divination were not allowed.
0: Okay, two of them, one from Exodus and Jeremiah, do not allow a sorceress to live, and so do not listen to your prophets, your diviners, your interpreters of dreams, your mediums, or your sorcerers.
1: How many times do people want to interpret dreams? Israel's King Saul disobeyed God in this, and he was removed from being the king of the country, and he died. Yes,
0: he did. Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance.
1: We're supposed to go to God for guidance (laughs) and no one else. This is obviously pretty serious stuff to God, and yet it is taken so lightly today. Mormonism is over-involved with concern and with communication with the dead. God prohibits it yet his prohibition seems to make no difference to them. Now of course the source of Mormonism is Joseph Smith Joseph Smith and his family were heavily involved with sorcery, divination, and necromancy. In fact, that's how the Book of Mormon came about, by that seer stone. Mormon historian and and general authority B.H. Roberts admitted that Joseph Smith's ancestors believed in warlocks and witches, but he justified it that that belief because it was normal in Joseph Smith's day.
0: Yeah, he said this in the Comprehensive History of the Church. It may be admitted that some of them believed in fortune telling in warlocks and witches to be credulous in such things was to be normal people.
1: Well, <laughs> well, if it's normal or not, following the crowd is never justification for disobeying God. In fact, the crowds are very often very wrong. We quote from the historical magazine about Joseph Smith Senior's occultic beliefs.
0: This Joseph Smith Senior, we soon learn from his own lips, was a firm believer in witchcraft and other supernatural things and had brought up his family in the same belief. And
1: so Joseph Smith yeah. Jr. grew up under this influence and his activities reflected the beliefs that his parents passed on to him.
0: This, is, this quote's from D. Michael Quinn. By the early 1820s, the Smith family had already participated in a wide range of magic practices. Several generations of the Smith family were influenced by the magic worldview before the 1800s. Other generations of his ancestors resided in areas noted for beliefs and practices of folk magic and alchemy. In fact, Joseph Smith, Jr. continued to express his belief in witches as the LDS church president.
1: Even while he was president, he yeah. still was taking part in this kind of well, belief he and practices. saw angels
0: and seer stones. And, All
1: kinds of odd yeah. things like that from the dead, yeah. And then there's the Mormon historians. You probably know more about Mormonism than anybody ever has or will. Gerald and Sel- Sandra Tanner made some interesting comments about Joseph Smith's involvement in the occult.
0: Yeah. With the mounting evidence of Joseph Smith's involvement in magic, members of the Mormon Church are faced with a very weighty decision. That is, can they accept as a prophet a man who was involved in occult practices at the very time he was supposed to have been receiving revelations from God? From the standpoint of the Bible, the question can only be answered no. As one former follower of Joseph Smith expressed it, a person must come out from the company of Joseph, the sorcerer. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So keeping all this in mind, we're going to tie it together now with the topic of Kays Cross in Kaysville, Utah. Not very long ago, actually, Case Cross was the object of many haunted tours on Halloween designed to scare the bejeebies <laughs> out of the curious. Case Cross was a structure that was built in Kaysville, Utah in 1948 on the property that my father's father owned, but which has since then been appropriated by the Kingston Kingston. polygamy group. Our family was moved on to the Kaysville property farm when I was in the third grade. And that's where my mother raised her family. The farm consisted of over a hundred acres. It was a big, property. Wow. Some of it we cultivated with orchards of, of fruit trees, cherry trees, apples, peacher, peaches, apricot, and other fruit trees, hundreds and hundreds of trees. Wow. And then there were huge garden plots of watermelons and cantaloupes and tomatoes and squash and, and, and many other vegetables that we raised for to sell and also for our own personal use. But there was much of the property that was not cultivated, and there was a lot of scrub oak and hilly areas that we called hollers.
0: Old haulers. Old yeah. haulers, yeah. yeah.
1: And and that was part of our property in Kaysville. Now, as children, we would often play in those haulers, and at the bottom of one of those haulers, back towards the back end of the property, stood a huge stone cross. It became known as Kays Cross, and many unfounded legends and myths began to become part of the story of that cross. We're going to put a photo of the cross on the screen, and it is exactly what it looked like when I was a kid. So, the photo of it, um, it's a stone cross. You can see there was a, a metal rebar there running down the center of it, and there's a cross at the bottom and on both arms, and at the top, there was indented there yeah. were also crosses. And as children, we played on the cross. Um, during my childhood years, we'd climb on it on one or or either of the arms we'd climb clear up there and we'd also climb clear to the top and we'd stand up there and we'd yell down the holler just as loud as we could you know And there were several of us kids that would go down there and do that now I mention these details because if you Google Kays Cross in Kaysville Utah you'll find some of the most interesting conjured up stories imaginable that surrounded the mysterious Kays Cross and it's from myths and rumors like that that our waitress in Ogden had heard okay. about and wondered if I was familiar with it. Uh, there's one of the web pages there, K'scross.com. Uh, stories of hauntings and witchcraft evolved through the years long after I had gone mm. and, and left home. Uh, and Halloween tours actually uh, were, were organized so people could experience the hauntings of Kays Cross. Now, we want to relate briefly a couple of the myths that are surrounding Kay's Cross from a couple of the websites. The one you saw was Kay'sCross.com, and it's entitled Haunted Kay's Cross. Well, it wasn't haunted when I lived there at all. It was just a stone structure in the shape of a cross that was built there for no particular purpose, at least as far as I know. And furthermore, we were raised on Mormonism, and Mormonism does not value the cross so much that they would ever build a structure uh, based on that religion. Uh, Wikipedia says some interesting things about the cross, which most of it is not true. There's a little (laughs) bit of truth in what you're going to read.
0: Yeah. Kays' cross was a large stone cross located at the base of a hollow in Kaysville, Utah. The monument is rumored to have been erected by polygamous in the 1940s, but the exact age is disputed. Local rumors include variations of the story that the cross was built by one or more early settlers of the town to mark the grave of a man's wife or wives or his entire family. The hollow in which the cross stood was owned in the 1940s by Charles and Ethel Kingston, fa- founders of the infamous Polygamous Kingston clan. They may have been the ones who built the cross where the patriarch of the family received his vision to found the church. It has been asserted that the cross was built by followers of Krishna Venta, a religious leader in the 1940s and 50s who claimed to be the second coming of Christ and led a small sect based out of Simi Valley, California. The origins of the cross are unknown.
1: Well, the origins of the cross are not unknown because we're going to talk about it during (laughs) the show at the end of the show. Like I said, most of what was uh, said in Wikipedia was not true. Some of it, of course, uh, is correct. And much much of it is written by, obviously, someone who really doesn't know the story. Now, there's a lot of spooky (laughs) stories that have evolved around the cross. And as the years turn into decades, now, by the way, when I was growing up there, there was none of this.
0: There it, was, didn't, it, it was just a structure. There was just
1: a structure there, and we'd go down and play on it once in a while. And, and that Halloween was
0: it. wasn't anything no, special it had for that.
1: Nothing to do with any of it. It was it was absolutely just nobody knew just anything. Just there. And it was just there. Yeah. Um, Interesting. But as the year, years turned into decades, the myths and <laughs> spook tales became irresistible, and Case Cross became became an icon of interest to the public, despite the fact that it was located on private property. Oh, yeah. So we want to quote from another website, weirdus.com.
0: <laughs> a lot of Kaysville teenagers made the trip over the years. Kays' cross was just too irresistible. The spook tales surrounding Kays' cross are varied in many. During a full moon, the cross gives off an eerie glow, or a strange spectral woman haunts the cross, chasing away visitors. <coughs> Or Satanists perform sacrifices at its base on Halloween night. Or the face of a murdered woman appears in the cross on the anniversary of her death. Or the cross will burn anyone that touches it during its glowing phase. Or mysterious (laughs) dogmen guard the cross. Pretty wild stuff.
1: And it's all wild stuff because none of that is true. Unless it became haunted, you after know, you after I left and all this other weird stuff is going on. But that's pretty wild stuff. Yeah. Certain of my own relatives tell me that teenagers and high school kids would sometimes congregate at the cross at night, especially on weekends, and smoke pot and drink <laughs> beer. Yeah. Well, so many <laughs> crazy haunted tales. How, how many can be conjured up? by drinking parties and drugs by teenagers. I'm sure a lot. (laughs) One myth is that the cross was built as a monument to the landowner's murdered wife or family. Well, I was part of the landowner's family, and I know that's not true. Another myth is that the man murdered his wife, or even seven wives, depending on who's telling the story, and then he hung himself in remorse. Oh, boy. That story morphed into an embellished tale that he buried six of his wives around the base of the cross, of course and then there's another legend that the murderer cut out the heart of his wife and sealed it inside the cross. Now, the center of the cross had been hallowed out. Uh, from the years by curiosity seekers looking to find the heart of this (laughs) supposed woman who'd been murdered and the heart buried there. But that's not true. Even as children playing on that cross, we were often cautioned to be very careful because the center of the cross and actually all of the structure was beginning to crumble away even then as time was taking its toll on it. So myths and spook stories and haunted tales abound surrounding Kay's cross. Haunted Halloween tours, on the same level as these elaborate haunted houses that are popular during Halloween, they were organized every year to go to Kay's Cross, and it became very, very popular. But one day, a couple of years ago, someone put an end to the haunted Halloween tours of K's Cross because they blew it up. It no longer stands to evoke fearful awe that once upon a time drew so many people to explore its mysteries. But there is a true story behind these crazy myths, the story we're going to tell about Kay's cross, and maybe this will help put (laughs) to rest the conjectures of what Kay's cross was really all about. Actually, it's really quite a boring story. It's not inspiring at all, and it's not shocking, (laughs) but it is proof that if people reject the truth, they will embrace all kinds of fantasy. My That's uncle, who was 93 years old, just a couple of months ago, told me the true story of this stone cross. And he knows the true story because he was there and he helped to build it. <laughs> and this is what he said about its origins.
0: The cross was built in the summer of 1948 and was at the request of a man named Francis Herman Penkovic, who made the claim to be Christ Returned and had his name legally changed to Krishna Venta. He had established a United Order type of commune in Northern California near Sacramento. He came to the Order, the Kingston Group, with the purpose of trying to convert the members to his group. Brother Eldon Kingston welcomed him and allowed the members the choice of following him or staying with the Order. Part of this entire attempt was supporting him in his plan to build the cross to honor him. In the center of the cross was a large letter K. Some said the K represented Krishna, some said it represented kingdom as in kingdom of God, and some said it some said it represented Kingston. The truth is, it was representing knowledge. The motto of this group was WKFL, which represented wisdom, knowledge, faith, and love. And at the end of each of the cross members, the three letters WFL were placed to complete his motto. I'm not sure who all helped in the construction of the cross. I'm sure of myself, Merlin Kingston, my brother Gerald, Dean S., Mac F., Alfred G. Ernie E. and several others. As far as I know I'm the only person left alive who helped with this project. The cross was 14 feet high and 10 feet across across the cross arms. We took a truck to the upper road where Fruit Heights is and selected rocks of the proper size and shape to use for constructing the cross. I remember mixing concrete by hand to hold the rocks in place. Mr. Penkovic left before the cross was completed, and after he left, we did no more work on it. Hope this information helps. Thanks for the interest in my well-being. I'm now 93 years old. M.
1: And that's my uncle.
0: Okay. My
1: uncle on my mother's side. And that's the true story of Kay's Cross in Kaysville, Utah, built and stood on the property owned by my father's father. Now, for years, like I said, we played on it as kids. One time, however, I asked my mother, I was just a kid, and I asked my mother about it, and she was either unsure of the true story or embarrassed about it. But she told me the K in the middle of the cross was either for Kingston, yeah. or Jesus is King of Kings, or Kingston kingdom of God I always thought it stood for Kingston because in their arrogance they teach that to get to heaven a person must have Kingston blood flowing through their veins really yes now we have I have a line drawing of the cross which was given to me By the builders, and the four sides supposedly have specific meanings, which which, uh, my uncle said. The bottom means physical, the top means spiritual, the left side means mental, and the right side means senses, symbolizing that God's wisdom comes through these four truths. My uncle said the K stood for knowledge, but it's too bad that they didn't bow before King Jesus because he said this (laughs) about...
0: From Romans 10, 2. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge.
1: Because all that is nonsense about what those meanings are for the cross, the true (laughs) meaning for the cross. They had set out to invent a religion that is based on man's efforts, which includes polygamy, rather than based upon Jesus Christ and his work for us on the cross. Only Jesus has all the knowledge of God. God tells us that Jesus is our wisdom. And so they went out and they built a stone cross. But they rejected the truth of salvation, which is only in the one who died on an old wooden cross. Joseph Smith or polygamy or the Kingston Polygamy Group have nothing to do with anything that has to do with God's gift of of eternal life, which is through His grace alone and which Jesus purchased for us on His cross. So that's the story and puts to rest the myths (laughs) of Kays Cross in Kaysville, Utah. Now, through the years, I have had a lot of people uh, be very curious, asking me questions about Case Cross when they found out I was raised in Caseville. And one year, oh, probably three or four, maybe five years ago, one of the television stations, one of the main television stations, did a special on it during Halloween. Yeah. And that was the first time I knew it had become famous.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Until then, it just was...
1: (laughs) I didn't know it'd become that famous, yeah. and maybe that helped it become famous. I don't well, know. That's
0: interesting. You know, we, uh, you were we were talking a little bit before about necromancy and talking to the dead and all that, and and it made me think about my time in the temple because we're doing work there for the dead, mm-hmm. and so Mormonism, like you said, is totally involved in in really what is the occult and necromancy, or and and I have to admit, when I was sitting there in the temple, I would actually think about the person that I was going through the temple for Mm -hmm. as though I was um, speaking to that dead person and hoping that they would take advantage of this opportunity I was giving them because I was a savior for them, so to speak, and I was doing this work for them and I was hoping and praying that they would take so advantage of it so you were involved in
1: necromancy and, and anybody else time, didn't know and aren't you glad God forgives when we recognize yes. what we've been doing yeah. and we turn to him for, in yeah. repentance and ask for forgiveness it's embarrassing he totally
0: it's embarrassing
1: well when you see what it's really all about yeah. it, it, it can be quite embarrassing yeah. Um, I know my mother, she interpreted dreams. She appointed herself as being a dream interpreter mm. and she did a lot of that. Good and um, a lot of the people in the Kingston group do this still do. They still do the dream interpretations. They still see dead people and talk to dead relatives. And all of that is just not yeah it, it is really their dead relatives. Yeah. So anyway, that's the story of Cage Cross. Thank you, yeah. Earl. Oh my pleasure. Very thank much. you much. You know, I did ask my mother one time, What did the cross mean and why did people wear it as jewelry? Well she said it was a symbol of cruelty and murder and that we shouldn't be glorifying it by wearing it around our necks. I remember holding reservations about her answer because something just didn't seem quite right but now I know the truth that the cross of Jesus Christ is the story of his purchase of my eternal life and that the message of the cross is the power of salvation to all who believe it. That old wooden cross, the symbol of suffering and shame is the only way anyone will ever be allowed through heaven's doors. Jesus Christ is glorified every time someone places their trust in him crucified to pay for their sins on the cross. And all who believe will cross over from darkness to light, from death to life. Thanks for watching and God bless.
0: This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy What Love Is This?